welcome to Masters of Divinity, and Merry Christmas. Filthy animal. What if what if you did the uh, what if we did the opening uh, thing um, as like um, the normal you know hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity, but we like sing it to the tune of Jingle Bells. Would that be corny? That would be corny. That would be corny. <laughs> I don't think that's. Uh... No, no, no. I, I don't know. Welcome to MOD MOD podcast. It, okay, it, yeah, it, it, keep going. You can do it if you want. It's... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> fine. I, crowbar. Like Dan Harmon. Crowbar your bad style. idea right into there. That's what we do. Uh, oh. <laughs> I didn't catch that. He said crowbar your bad idea right into there. That's what we do. Uh, <laughs> just like the wet <laughs> bandits. Um, nice. We're here to talk about Malone. Um, yeah, you know all we've all we've yet to do is reference the movie we're not talking about today, <laughs> which actually is a really good movie when you think about it. Um, Hot take: JP thinks Home Alone's a good movie. Yeah. Did I? Did I? Did, am I? Am I? Am I contradicting myself? Was there a time where I said I didn't like Home Alone? No, you're stating one of the most obvious statements you could possibly make. Oh uh, well, the I mean, movie, I think I mean, when I the say movie it's a that good everybody movie, loves. When I say it's a good movie, I'm not talking about the sort of beloved nature of it. I mean, like I'm talking about it as like, as like a as like a work of art, as like a, a film. I think it actually is. Yeah. A pretty you know, you know. On before we get on the movie we're actually talking about today, since we're on this topic, I just saw some random video of Macaulay Culkin on the show with Jimmy Fallon, The Tonight Show. Yeah. Um, gr- grown up. Yeah. That is one. That is one disturbing man. <laughs> Um, Kevin Mc- Kevin McAllister. He's he's a, he's an odd guy now nowadays. Grown up. He uh, um, he he runs a website now, right? The yeah, that's that's what it was about. Some bunny bunny ears. Bunny ears. Yeah, I learned about this. So yeah, I'm on the up and up. Uh, I I I would I would I still think it would be kind of a fun thing if they were to do sort of like a sequel to Home Alone with him as an adult. That would be great. I mean, they like, should have they should have followed him all throughout his life of just being just constant neglect, and him like actually just becoming more tough to the world, you know? Like, right. Yeah, like, how, well, great, were, how great would were, it be? How great would it be if if they did a movie like Home Alone, but instead of like the, the the obvious thing, which would be to have the roles reverse, where it's his kid. <laughs> instead, it's still him. Like his wife and kids are like in Paris, <laughs> and there's this running joke that he's never actually made it to France because. Every time his family's ever trying to take a trip, they leave him. Yeah, I, I think they should have gone international. Like they should have gone to like you know, lost in Iraq or Russia. Well, well and they well, I'm alone in space. <laughs> yeah. And then in, in the interview, they addressed like the conspiracy theories that like he became Jigsaw. Oh yeah. That's the okay. Can can I I I really hate I really hate that stuff. <laughs> well, there's a shock. <laughs> I, I just it irritates me so much. Like that's no, it's not. That's not no. Your little your little your little fan mind head cannon is not real. Stop it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. So so angry. So uh, we're you not... can sing your jingle bells th- song. We told you you could do it already. I mean, <laughs> quit, sorry. Quit I, I did. I, I sat a little irritated, didn't I? I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> this is a this is a happy time of year. Yeah. Uh, so today we're talking about um, a, a Christmas cult classic, uh, or which I guess has sort of risen above cult status. What is going what? on? What, what happened? It's here to get mad. This sounds like some mechanical stuff going on in the back. Here you go. Wait. Wait for it. How about that one? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt is Matt is setting traps for the wet bandits. <laughs> JP, give us our setup. Why, why are we talking about a Christmas story? Um, I I grew up hating this movie. Yes. Um, and uh, for various reasons. Um, one, um, it just made me feel very uncomfortable uh, with its sincerity, if that makes any sense. I tried explaining it two years ago on our podcast and wasn't really articulating myself well, but it's just... There's a lot of uncomfortable moments, and uh, you know they they worked a little too well on me, and so it, it sort of made it unwatchable. Uh, and those of you who are familiar with the Christmas story, you know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, there's a there's a scene in this movie where where um, 
the little brother, Ralphie, uh, doesn't want to eat his dinner. And his mother, uh, played by the great... What in the world? That's my house. That's not Matt's house. Um, We've got a guy. They're installing a new um, dishwasher in our house as well. That's, that's I'm in my I'm in my bedroom with the door shut. Like tis the season for home repair. We are so we are so professional here, guys. That's um, great. Uh, so the mother, played by the the uh, brilliant. Hold on, I can chime in too. Um. Okay. Uh, so the mother played by the brilliant Melinda Dillon. Uh, great character in the movie. Great actress. Who you might remember from uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um, she played the mom of the kid that was abducted by aliens. Yes. Uh, she's a great actress. She's so good. Anyway, so she, she, she tells Ralphie, uh, you know, how, how, do the, how do the piggies eat their, their food? And, you know, Ralphie, uh, Ralph, whatever you want to call him, whatever. Uh, he starts eating his food like a, a total freaking glutton. And that always made me uncomfortable. In fact, it actually always kind of reminded me of the scene in Texas Chainsaw Massacre where, where Marilyn Burns is, like, is, is strapped down to a chair at the crazy weirdo dinner table and they're all like taunting her and stuff. And those, I think it's, it kind of ranks up there the most uncomfortable dinner scene in, in, in cinema. Uh, um, second only to Texas just, Chainsaw Massacre. Just for, just for the record, um, the, Ralphie is not the little brother. Ralphie is the main character of the film. I knew that. What's his What's his little brother's name? Uh, his little brother's name is Randy. Randy. Yeah, my bad. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm a noob. I, I just and plus I realized while watching this movie, I haven't seen this movie, um, in a really long time. Uh, actually, probably more than a decade. I would say, like, I probably was still a kid last time I saw this movie. But yeah, and yeah, I knew everything that happened in it, um, which I think is so. So the the thing is, is this is, uh, listeners, this is a counterpoint. JP is a bit of a counterpoint for us because, um, gosh, Matt, um, because both Matt and I. What did are, I do? You're going through your junk drawer, whatever it is you're doing. <laughs> I didn't you, do anything. Are you going through the condiments me. drawer in your kitchen or something? Is it? It's not me. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like you go through that drawer that just has like a screwdriver and like <laughs> some old Taco Bell condiments. Like, look. Uh, Plasticware that's wrapped up from restaurants, and you're like, "We'll use this again," but you won't. Look, look, full disclosure. Thought I hit, thought I hit mute on the mic. <laughs> I am. I have a. I have a plastic bag that I'm filling up with like. Uh, Double A batteries. No, like my my badge and name tag and pens oh. and all this stuff that has to go with my uniform. So full disclosure, thought I muted it. Thought I was doing good. Um, so multitasking. Dear audience, I apologize, um, but deal with it. Listen to my house chores. It's we're we're all big. We're one big happy family here. I'm gonna love it Listen if you the, hear the vacuum cleaner going. Uh, I can arrange that. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna wait till you're in the middle of a sentence. So. Okay. Uh, so. Uh, so Matt and I are, 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 are different than JP. Shit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. For real. I'm and gonna, I'm we've start. lost Matt. Where did he I'm go? Gonna start, I'm going to start muting my mic. So if you address me, give me like a half a second delay to get the mic turned back on before I answer. Um, but I, I'm here. So I apologize. Go ahead. Carry on. So anyway, as I was going to say, Matt and I, something that we have in common on this podcast is that we both are fans of this movie and have both are known to watch the 24-hour A Christmas Story marathon on TBS. This is a movie, I was just saying to JP before we started recording, that I think, if, I, if just in the sense of sheer numbers, I think it's a movie that I've seen more than any other movie. Um, just because my mom and I both enjoy it on Christmas, like the whole Christmas Eve to Christmas Day thing, we put it on and we leave it running. <laughs> um, and it's just kind of in the background. And so we end up probably watching it in its entirety two or three times for sure, but it's just, you know, always always in the background. It's a movie that my mom deeply adores. Um, I will say it's a movie where I find something kind of new in it every time. I really enjoy the nuanced character portrayals. I think the parents in the movie are very, like, there's, there's clearly some 
there's clearly some subtext with their relationship that I think is brilliant that the movie doesn't like just point to it. It just sort of lets it be in the background and and, and you can fill in the pieces. Um, and from that perspective, I think it's made it's it's well made in that the movie largely comes from the children's perspectives. And so there's you watch it through their eyes when you watch it more and more times. You can, as an adult, particularly, you can pick up on other things that are going on that they would not themselves pick up on. Mm-hmm. And so the movie doesn't need to call attention to it. Um, you know, for instance, like uh, the obvious tension that's going on in the marriage, um, the the issue with like bills and stuff. I mean, you you can tell that they're having some tough times in the in, in their household. Um, and uh, um, the parents oh, well, sleep in separate beds. Movie. By the way, did you notice that? That's right, they do. I thought that was interesting. Never addressed, but you see it because because Rafi goes into the bedroom, and there's that's right. Pets. He lays the magazines on Susan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not entirely uncommon in the 1930s when that's set, but um, but yeah. Is it the um, 1930s or is it like I I I heard it's like yeah, no, the 40s it's, and 50s. It's, I it's set in I believe it's set in 1939 because um, Wizard of Oz is re, is a recently released movie. Because there's a lot of Wizard of Oz stuff in the movie. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the book was the book was written in, in 1966. Right. Uh, um, yeah. For some reason, I feel like I remember seeing a, a calendar and it was 1939. Um, but anyway, it's it's a movie that I love. You, you, you JP, mentioned that you hadn't seen it since you were a kid. The first time that I ever watched tried watching it um, was when I was a kid. It was on the Disney Channel one night. And for some reason, and I around Christmas time, and I was trying to watch it, and um, I was surprised at how much profanity was in it coming from the little kids' mouths. <laughs> and at that time, like I was, you know, not supposed to watch movies with cuss words, so I, you know, did the good Christian thing and turned off the TV. Like at nine years old, when I when I was watching it, and I never and I never watched it until. I think until TBS put it on, on the 24-hour thing, it was just I wanted to check it out, so I put it on. And my mom and I were both just sort of blown away by it. Um, and just, again, how funny it was and and, and different things. So um, And so that's become a custom in our household um, to watch it. Um, um, yeah. But my, my wife is with you on this, JP. She is not a fan at all. <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting. I always, like, greatly disliked this movie. And I'm not saying, like, I've definitely seen probably bits and pieces of it more throughout my life than I have just sat down and watched the whole movie. Um, Like I said, it's still very familiar. Um, But when I actually sat down and watched this movie last week, um, I was actually really surprised by how I was not that uncomfortable this time around. I was I was a little fascinated by the fact that um, you know I did some research on the story and I did some research on the author and what the book it was based off of and stuff. The name of the author is Gene Shepard, who was a very famous uh, writer and radio personality back in the nineteen sixties and seventies and kind of all throughout right, the twentieth right century. And he's the narrator. Yeah, he's the narrator of the, the movie. movie. Yeah, and so it's based and and it's and he wrote. A, a collection of short stories called In God We Trust, uh, All Others Pay Cash. And it's actually, um, there's actually a bunch of stories like this, uh, just about growing up in, you know, the first half of the 20th century. Or at least in the mid-20th century, I should say. Um, so it's, um, so what I was kind of struck by was how um, it's not necessarily uh, a kid's movie, Mm-hmm. Um, it's very accessible, I think, for kids. But I think that this is this didn't feel like a kids movie, like it was made for kids. It felt like it was made as as like just like a nostalgic look back of of the golden age that was, you know, that time period. And I think that's why it's so easy for kids to latch onto it is because, you know, it is so has such an endearing. Um, you know, relationship with its uh, period in time in our history in America. Um, and, you know, it's, it's very, it's a very, I'm trying to say it's very boomer movie. <laughs> it is a super it's, boomer. And, you know, when you ask any boomer, what was it like growing up? They'll tell you that, you know, it was, it was a utopia. 
you, you know, and uh, this is how everybody was back then. And so it, it's, well, it, and, and that's, that's what I'm trying to say is that like, it, it's, that, that's what interests me the most. It's just, it's not like a negative critique or anything. Um, it's mm-hmm. that, that reason why I just thought it was interesting because it doesn't really come off as a kid's movie. It's definitely marketed as a kid's movie now. Um, but it definitely feels like it was made by someone who was just very, very nostalgic for the time he was growing up in. And it was, I think it was made that way too. And, but, um, see, I don't know. This is, I, I, I think there is a, I think there's a dark edge to the movie. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, and I think that it's easy for it. It's easy for people to say like, like you said, like a kid's movie or whatever, but it, it's not a kid. You're right. It's not a kid's movie. It's an adult movie. It's, it's a movie for grownups to watch and sort of remember their childhood, which makes it a perfect boomer movie. Came out in 1983, right at the beginning of the whole nostalgia wave Yeah. Um, for the baby boomers. Um, and, but what I think is interesting, because you, you, you're right, right? There's that sense of memory on how it's, you know, oh, my childhood, the childhood was perfect. It was this utopian thing, whatever, right? So the movie succeeds in showing that Ralphie is a super optimistic um, child who is determined to get the present that he wants. Right. But the whole world around him, when you pay attention to it, is pretty messed up. Actively working against that desire. <laughs> well, not only that, but it's it's also, you know, the, 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 the family is clearly on some kind, like they have economic issues. Yeah, because there's that whole thing about how like they've eaten boiled cabbage like for like five meals in a row. I mean, and if it does take place in the time you're talking about, they would have, I guess, because it's sort of right out of the depression. Right. Yeah. So there's World War II. Yeah. So there's there's a frugality to the family. Um, There's um, you know there you know it's there's just there's just a lot of little things in it. That I think if you if you start that you you start seeing about the world in which they live, like for instance, when Ralphie changes the tire on the car, mm-hmm. if you pay attention, the tire is bald. There is no tread on that tire. Oh, I didn't know. So that. clearly, like they can't afford like a good spare tire. Right. So he the dad just found like some kind of retread or something, or like some kind of whatever tire he could just to just to have it. Like there's little things like that that show that. The world really wasn't all that rosy. As a child, you remember it as rosy. Yeah. But when you really pay attention, I mean, like, look at the, like, look at the, you know, the yard where he gets in the fight. I mean, well, first of all, the kid's bullied, right? That's a big thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you, you look at like the area where he gets, where he gets in the fight with the kid, and it's like, what's this little rundown thing in the middle of this idyllic town where this is happening? And who are these children that live this kind of? life that makes them you know so clearly there's something happening in the margins of society that is not really addressed but it's at least enough there for as a grow as somebody now looking back at it which i almost wonder if just i almost wonder if there's a sly critique considering that it is written in the 1960s as a memory of the 1930s but then adapted into a movie in the 1980s so it's sort of an 80s revisiting of a 60s point of view on 1930s like how many layers of critique is actually going on there probably yeah but anyway that's that's my my and that's i'm taking to a weird place but it's okay no 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 it's fine that that, that, that's it's a good place to get it's like you know just it's not just like a nostalgia fest yeah um, which is fun um but uh so i i um overall i i think it's it's a pretty good movie I don't. I, I wasn't as uncomfortable this time around, so I didn't hate it. <laughs> but I, I actually the the part where the mom makes the kid eat the mashed potatoes was actually that part made me uncomfortable. Still, that's well. It's, I it's, think the reason why because it, it makes me it, part of it makes me uncomfortable is you, if you look at her, yeah. there's complete desperation in her eyes. <laughs> yeah, and there's a layer to that character, her character that I did not fully understand until I had children and I watched my wife mm-hmm. because. There frequently are these moments where, uh, like, there's a little joke right before that part where the you know the, the wife goes to sit down for a meal and is like before her butt even hits the chair, one of the kids is like, hey, can you get me this? Or the husband's like, hey, honey, could you get this? And so uh, she yeah, never yeah. Looks down. Know. And he makes the comments like, my 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 mom hadn't eaten a hot meal in like 20 years or something. Um, yeah, I, I I think of that a lot with Kana because that'll happen with the kids. Yeah. Um, and um, and so I. Uh, yeah, so I, I so that 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 moment where she's hungry, she's desperate. The children are just being complete pain, 
and she just wants the kid to eat his food. And so she just snaps and is like, how's about I let you just go hog, literally hog wild on this food? And you can just, if you look, I think it's a masterful performance um, on her part, because if you look at her eyes, you can tell she is holding back tears. <laughs> I did, I do uh, notice sort of an exhaustion in, in her, in her role, especially that part. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm curious, Matt, uh, how do you feel about uh, A Christmas Story? If you're not, like, I don't know, uh, changing your oil or something, if that was... You're in the world. It's good. I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> All right. Are you, that's... No, I don't, I don't have, I don't have the, the deep thoughts like you guys have on it. I just, I'm, I have the, I just genuinely love this movie. Um, I, I feel like the first time I saw it, I was like, that was so dumb. And then the second time I saw it, I'm like, this is so dumb. I'm laughing at it. And then the third time I'm like, this is so good. Why did I think it was dumb? Did you grow and up then watching I just this? Or never quit watching like... it. Yeah, I, I definitely grew up watching it. Um, the frequency in which I watched it drastically increased as I got older. Yeah. Um, but this is definitely something I saw when I was like, little enough to not get it the first time around which was like yesterday but um i didn't like the first time around didn't really understand what was happening but still was like staring at the screen because i mean even as a little kid as a little kid you can relate to the kid who wants the present for christmas and hoping to get it and like the the it's all just like funny things happening to him trying to get this gift but then as you get older, you get all the other things going on, like Chuck's talking about the parents, the the bullies, the little brother, the relationship in the family. The, um, cas- the casual child abuse played for laughs between Schwartz and that, that whole scene. I I love the phone call. That That's what I'm talking my, about. I, that is one of my that is that is one of my all time favorite moments in that movie. And I cry yes. laughing. I cry laughing every time it happens. Um, when you hear the mom on the other end of the phone and she like slips into this like satanic version of an adult and Charlie Brown and all you hear is the kid like, why mom, why, why? What did I do? What did I do? (laughs) So, I love that. Well, the best part Um, is, well, do you know where, do you know where Ralphie heard that word? And how about the mother? Because there's that refrain up until that moment, which was probably his father. (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh it's so good it's definitely a a story that is um you know quentin tarantino coined a term uh the hangout movie which is movies like um american graffiti uh rio bravo um, you say like days and confused days and confused yeah movies like that uh and, and from quentin tarantino's you know jackie brown um, and I kind of, I kind of feel that about. I kind of see that in this movie. It feels like it's more remembered for its sort of the the segmented moments that happen throughout. And you know, we could talk all day about like uh, you know the kid getting his tongue stuck on the on the pole, and um, uh, the the Santa Claus scene. Um, you know, the man, you know, the man, we just talked about the mashed potato scene. Um, the bunny suit, which uh, is popular now, just <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah, well, that's what I was, I was saying earlier. I, 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 we can get into this a little bit more later if you want, but that I, I'm a little irritated with the with the the memification of the movie. Yeah, what do you mean by that though? Like, do you mean like how people have turned like parts of the movie into a meme that could be shared on social media, or do you just mean like sort of corporate? marketing in the movie using just like those bits no what i what i mean is in the in the sense of like in 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 the prop in the proper understanding of memetics um you know where like an idea develops and and evolves um not i'm talking about image macros or that kind of or or gifts or that kind of thing i'm talking about like a similar parallel is the way that people talk about jim james t kirk that he's this womanizing, um, shoot first, ask questions later kind of guy. Well, it's like if you watch the original series, no, that's not James T. Kirk. Kirk is not that person. Oh, okay, so it's like that's, a play it again, Sam kind of thing. Like, a... 
Yeah, it's just become it's become something. It, it, people have gravitated, or it's it, it entered into a into a sort of popular, um, like framework, for it being something other than what it is. I think because I think it, I, I I feel like it's a movie that people started watching, ironically. Okay. Because it wasn't. It's a Wonderful Life. It wasn't all of those things, and it allowed, I think it was obscure enough of a holiday movie that it allowed a certain segment of the population to sort of feel like, this is my offbeat Christmas movie. And then it got marketed that way, and it was, you know, now it's all, oh, I've got a leg, you know, I mean, I I, I have a leg lamp ornament, but like people like buying like leg lamps for their desk and, you know, all that kind of like, and then it became like products associated with it and... Like you can buy like Ralphie in a bunny suit action figures and and I think I think it's just that kind of where it's been sort of commodified and into into a thing that again it, it's sort of the same thing of like you know it, it's people don't I don't think people I don't and I, I mean this is really probably judgy of me but I feel like a lot of people or, or the the reason why it's in the pulp in the pop culture zeitgeist is not for what it is but for what it has been turned into. Well, do you think it's because, like what you said, it, it got introduced into that 24-hour rotation on TBS pretty fairly early in the 2000s, I think, right? Yeah. Or at least in the late 90s. I, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure when that started. Um, I, I think I'm sure you can't be the only person who just kind of left it on for Christmas. You know, I think that... Oh, of course not. I think it would have that sort of effect where it does kind of become... Um, I mean, we see that with, with most of the things that we like growing up that they've there are sort of like these ironic action figures and uh, yeah i mean and, and not, not that there's anything inherently wrong with that i it's 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 just it, it it's almost like when people talk about like my, my feeling on when i see when i see christmas story posts and stuff on like social media or on christmas time mm-hmm. and they're starting to kind of die out but it's this, I, I see them and a lot of times i get the same feeling that i get when i hear people talk about Die Hard being their favorite Christmas movie. Oh God, I hate that conversation yeah, yeah. so much. I hate or, it so much. Or, um, or um, it's not even of, me disagreeing whether or not it's a Christmas movie. It just, I just hate the conversation. Nobody cares. Right. Nobody cares. Right. It's that attempt. It, it, it's again. It's that attempt nope. to like be cool. Nobody cares because it's so obviously a Christmas movie. But carry on. I'm shaking my head right now. I can't <laughs> see it, but I'm shaking my head. <laughs> I, uh, but yeah, I, I, anyway, it's just a, um, it's that sense of, it's also the kind of the way I feel about like, um, um, what's his face? Um, Cthulhu. Oh, HP Lovecraft. Yeah. Like Lovecraft references that people make. I just feel like it's such low hanging fruit at this point, And it's so cliche and overdone. Well, it's, and, it's actually, you're kind of right about that. Cause the only HP Lovecraft references people make is Cthulhu, which is like a sort of fundamental misunderstanding of Lovecraft, but that's all you know about him. But go ahead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just sort of, <laughs> yeah. So what, what, I, that's what I'm getting at is like, I think the work itself, there's more to it than, um, than leg lamps, bunny suits, you'll shoot your eye out kid. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's, it's, there's, you know, there's more to it than just sort of the highlight reel. But I think that because, you know, TBS is running for 24 hours for about a decade or more now that it almost 20 years now, I guess, um, is that as people have it just sort of down in the background, they just pick out those little highlights and, and that's really what it becomes. Like how many of us actually sit down and watch it from beginning to end and sort of take in the whole thing of the movie. Right. Um, I mean, and I, you know, I, I know I sound kind of, probably a little bit smug about it and, I'm, and i and i don't intend to um well i mean i, just, I think because I, I, I guess because i guess the thing is for me is, is that i think it's a, i think it's a good christmas movie mm-hmm. um or a good holiday season movie um but it's it's and i and i like it's it no die watch, hard got it but it's <laughs> it's that like it but the reasons why it's out there are not because of the movie it's because of all this other crap that's around the movie and so it sort of just becomes like a bumper sticker to stick on to your oh I'm quirky at Christmas time kind of persona for a lot of people. Okay. I don't know. I guess that's kind of how I feel about Scrooged. Yeah. Even though I have a genuine love for Scrooge, I've loved it my whole life. 
because I'm such a big Bill Murray fan. And I, have a, I have personal attachments to it because my dad and I used to watch it every Christmas. I saw that movie in theaters and it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> I saw it in theaters too. It didn't scare me though. I loved it. Beetlejuice scared me though. That was I was I was screaming in the theater when my parents took me to see Beetlejuice. Uh, anyway, I don't know why I brought that. Anyway, uh, so maybe will you be offended if I start asking you guys what are your some of your favorite moments? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, that's, it is. It's part of it. I just I. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with all that stuff. Okay, no, I, I know. I know what you're getting to because I, I, I kind of, I, I, I get it. That it's sort of like, and, and it's, it's, it could come off as gatekeeping sometimes because it, then that's why sometimes I hold my tongue because I don't want to come off as like, oh, they don't know the real meaning of it. But it, there, there is something to it, and it's, and there is, and it's, it is kind of a phenomenon that's existed in cinema for a long time. Like I mentioned earlier, play it again, Sam. Right. Um, which is like the, you know, ask anybody to quote Casablanca. They're like, oh, play it against him. Like, nope, nobody says that in that movie. Right. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's something that's existed in cinema for a long time. Um, Luke, I am your father. Nope, not, yep. in, not in the movie. <laughs> Beam me up, Scotty. Never once said. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like a, it's, it's like that, but it's, it's, been, it's been drawn out more and it's a bit more, um, I guess, in death because of, because of our access to media now. Um, well, and I just really quick, and I think I think Christmas Story has sort of that 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 sort of pop culture memification thing of of, of Christmas Story has sort of played itself out, and now they're doing it to the movie Elf. Oh yeah, um, which, which is, is great. a great which also a great Christmas movie. Yeah, I love that movie. Um, yeah. So let me so let me ask you guys, what are some of your favorite moments from the movie? Uh, whoever wants to go first, could... Matt should go first. Cause... I mean. I mean, Matt should go first because Chuck already listed all of them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they, I agree with everything that, that has been said so far about the movie becoming popular and kind of forgetting what it's really about. But the moments that are remembered, there's a reason those are the moments well, of that course. are remembered. Um, and that's because they're awesome. Um, but... Uh, the phone call, I already said my all-time favorite, is after he he drops the F-bomb and his Fudge. mom calls and lies. and say, Exactly, yeah. Um, <laughs> he lies and says that he learned it from his friend, and his mom calls a friend, and the other mom on the phone freaks out, and you hear her just beating her child. Uh, that is one of the greatest moments ever. I love the fact that he legitimately shoots his eye out. I mean, not literally, but I mean, he shoots himself in the eye. Like, it hits him in the after, cheek. After an entire movie of it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I love that it happens because that's so true to what happens when you're a kid. <laughs> Everybody tells you this is a bad idea. Don't do it. You're like, no, I'm smarter than you. And I'm a big kid. And then it always happened. We always wound up hurt. We always wound up wrong. Um, I just loved it. I think it's hilarious. The tongue stuck to the pole. Come on, come on. That's the part. That's the one I remember classic. the most. It's classic. Especially because the kid like screeches when it happens to yeah. you. Yeah, there's a lot of well, screeching because, in this movie, by the way. And I love the escalation. Yeah. Now there's the fire department. And and because that is the moment that like every cartoon and TV show has. That's the moment they all took and redo and recreate and. Um, I mean, I can't think of specifics, but I remember growing up watching cartoons that happens all the time where they stick their tongue to something and get stuck and then try and pull it off. But like their tongue stretches really. It's, I mean, it's everything played off. That was the moment that, that people loved before they even watched the movie. Right. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's all good stuff. It's, it's harder to find a moment in the movie I don't like now that. I'm older and can see it from a different point of view, especially after having kids. Yeah. Um, that 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 kind of plays in, and not to be like JP, you don't get it, you don't have kids, because I hate when people talk like that. But it plays in. It's just one more step into now. The parents are totally different when you watch it. Oh yeah. Um, it's so it's it's great. Like Chuck said, all the underlying issues that the parents are obviously going through. When you watch it, you're kind of like missing it. When you're when you're married and have kids, you're like, oh, I totally see what's going on there. Like, <laughs> like they're they're at each other's throats, and the kids are 
like in the in the foreground missing what's happening just behind them but they're not really missing it is the other thing the kids are so much more aware than the parents realize the dad is so is dealing with so much pent-up anger especially when he's fighting with the furnace like you could tell yes. it's just like everything coming out like who gets that <laughs> but you the never furnace? they had to live, be living in the that, depression <laughs> Well, but I love I love that when he's hitting the furnace, it sounds like uh, you're saying what he's saying, but you can't actually yeah. make out what he's <laughs> yeah. saying. He's just Rassin, but you can, <laughs> Yeah, but the you know it's just because it's clearly like these are words that a child wouldn't know. Yeah, but you can. But the tone and, and everything is clearly vulgar. Well, and uh, and and the the movie makes it clear in the tire changing scene that the entire movie we are hearing it edited from the narrator. Right. So like so we're literally watching his memories and he's editing his memories so that we don't hear the bad words and that's made said flat out for us when he's changing the tire and the kid yells out fudge in <laughs> slow motion the narrator's like but I didn't say fudge. Well, but and what is <laughs> what is great about that? I mean, imagine sitting in a movie theater in 1983 watching that movie. And the way that you see the kids shaping the words and you're the whole time, you're like, is he actually going to say this? <laughs> like, are they actually going to have this child say this? Oh, so they, it plays out with this false and then it's fudge. Yeah, and yeah. They, they, they play it out so painfully slow just to draw out that moment for, yeah. the first, for the first time you see the movie. Like, I could see if I had never seen this before and Bond and Bella are sitting next to me on the couch, it's that moment where you, like, grab their ears and are like, oh! This is so funny. Like try and pretend they don't they're not listening. And then you realize they don't even say it. So. Right. Which then turns into why did you cover our ears dad? Exactly. And it's like, I was just playing, guys. <laughs> Watch out. Get in trouble game, for saying fudge. Um I love I love um Yeah. Yeah, can I while you're thinking of that, can I can I just interject? You just pointed out some great parental wisdom that we can pass on, Chuck. Um, attempting to shield your kids to the point where you're covering up what's happening makes things worse, guys. Right. Find find a find a appropriate for children way to explain what's going on instead of trying to pretend it's not happening because that'll just lead you down a rabbit hole you don't want to go down. <laughs> or just like, watch now, it and be like, wasn't now, that funny? Now my yeah. kids will never eat fudge because they're convinced that fudge is an evil thing. And even if you say the word, like, demons will come into our house. Like, I, I've ruined them for life because I, I just tried not to tell them that there's another word that exists out there. And what do I do? The first good. movie I'm going to show my kids is Billy Madison. Really <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> I, uh, so when and your kid I, will become Billy Madison. Probably. <laughs> That's okay. The coolest I love, kid in the world. Okay. Uh, the, the movie has some great little small moments that I think that always kind of crack me up. I love I love the super creepy kid that's in line with him as he's going to reach Santa. Yeah. The kid has goggles on for some reason, <laughs> and he just turns around. And he's like, "I really like Santa." That that yeah that that's that's <laughs> one of those moments. Where like wow, that I I've, I've I remember being a kid and running into that kid a lot. Right. That's <laughs> definitely that's definitely one of those moments where I'm like, wow, yeah, I, I remember being that kid. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, his I name love, was Matt. He kept telling me like stuff. I love um, I love uh, I love the the memory he has after he gets his mouth washed out with soap of him, you know, that his him in the future being blind. Yeah. Um, I, it's pretty funny, and I just love like because the dad is like, how did you come to this lowly estate? Um, which I, um, which I just so it's just the the drama and the way that it plays out of like thirties radio serials and stuff is great. Yeah. Um, I love the dad. I, I think my favorite thing in the movie. I love the dad. He might be my favorite character in the movie. He is great. And I love and I but what I, I love how excited he is when he gets the telegram telling him that he's won something and the way he escalates. Where he's like, maybe it's a bowling alley. Like, as though, and then the, and then the, the wife like snapped to reality. Do you think they're going to deliver a bowling alley? And then he's like, big it's in the D. Like, he's just so, like, <laughs> hope, you know, so there's that Ralphie hopefulness, right? Um, and, you know, there's, which now that I'm talking about, I realize there's a parallel between the dad and, the, and him, right? Because there's the, the prize, right. and he has this whole thing in his head that it's going to be this big thing, but it turns out to be this leg lamp. Um, well, well, and then, and, then, that, and then later, later, Ralphie has a similar thing with the decoder ring. Yeah. Well, the the dad is the, in my opinion, the dad's the child who never got the BB gun. Exactly. 
and his son is the one who gets oh. it, only only to be discovered that it's not it's not all I thought it would be anyway. Well, he did and, say he had a BB gun when he was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't mean literally. He clearly buys mean, it in defiance of the mother, which I think I is don't, awesome. Yeah. I don't literally mean the BB gun. I mean, he's the dad who he feels like he, he never got the thing he wanted. Right. Like, yeah. he's never he's never gotten the success. He's never gotten the yeah. prize that, that he felt he deserved. Like, he... And yeah. the leg lamp. I love the leg lamp. Uh, not not the lamp itself. The but major like, award. The major award. I just love how it how it it it, it, it brings out all the, the 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 subtle marital problems that they've had because clearly you know he and what I love about it is mom is very likes uncomfortable it. with it. Well, he likes it because it's a prize. Yeah, that's really I think it's a pure thing for him. It's a prize, but she's jealous. Yeah. And also, it's ugly and way too sexual for their house. I did think and it was really I funny. Love when Ralphie, I love when Ralphie like, runs his hand up it. Yeah, he keeps trying to touch it. the butt cheek that's on it. He keeps trying to touch it, and she's just always like, stop it. Stop it. And then uh, they break it. And then that great, great line where he says, where he says, I wasn't sure, but I'm pretty sure I heard someone playing taps quietly. <laughs> yeah. On a trash can lid or whatever. Um, the dad buried in the backyard. Well, and that's... And that and that's what's so incredible about this this movie, in my opinion, is that you as you really watch the movie and understand what's going on. Like I said, I didn't get it the first time I saw it. It took it took a few viewings for me. Part of it was age. Part of it's just you have to actually pay attention, like the subtle fact that we're basically watching a fantasy like we're not watching a historical retelling of what happened in this kid's life. We're watching what a child feels is happening in the world around him. Right. So everything that's so exaggerated and over the top, it's because it's all through the viewpoint of, of a child who's yeah. around Christmas time. And the fact that families lose their mind around Christmas time, <laughs> like it's just, it's just, it's true. And when you get families together, it just gets worse. Like, <laughs> well, thing, and then, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. well, I was going to say one thing I kind of noticed is, uh, you know, we were kind of reflecting through his eyes and we've been talking about the financial troubles we're going through the, the possible financial troubles are sort of alluding to, um, on Christmas day, they have a lot of presents. Right. And it kind of makes me wonder, like maybe that's why they're having financial problems. Exactly. <laughs> they're buying so many well, presents. It really, <laughs> well, it really, it, it really is a subtle, there's a subtle message to it too. Like the cliche message is definitely there that like material things don't bring happiness. It's your family. Like, I mean, on the surface level, that message is in the movie. Like, the movie is basically, basically it's not Christmas about the trope. stuff we get. Christmas yeah, it's not trope. about the stuff we get. It's about enjoying the fact that we're together. And this movie, though, plays off as so much more than that. But on the surface, that's what this movie is. So, like, they're constantly getting this crap and giving each other presents and buying each other pink bunny suits and thinking that that's well, what it's all about. Oh, I know, but that's my point. Like, they think that they relate to each other through through things, through gifts, through making each other what they want to be and giving them what they think will make them what they want them to be. Like, the dad wants him to be like him, so he goes against the mom and buys the BB gun. Like, right, you're going right. to get it. Yeah, and, and yeah. it's funny because Ralphie is basically just using – he's not really – excited well i mean he probably is excited about christmas but the whole point of christmas is just to get this gun like if it wasn't christmas like what would he be doing like how would he be getting the gun you know it's sort of like his one chance to get the one thing he wants right and it's well, what I, an interesting opportunity for him to kind of learn about the well and i like too that the dad gets in the gun because the dad is sort of the dad is portrayed as emotionally distant throughout the movie but the fact that the dad went and did it it's this little thing where it shows the dad actually was very attentive to him um, you know, he, he knew what his he, he knew what his kid really wanted, and um, and he just went and did it. And of course, you know, it is funny that he didn't consult the, the wife and anyone who's anyone in a marriage or relate like you something like that. You consult the wife, yeah. but um, but but he, it, uh, I I um, go ahead, Matt. You're something. On the surface, it's it's not any deeper on the surface than Jingle All the Way. Um, I mean, it's it's yeah. I got to get the right present for my son. But what this movie does great is because it's through the point of view of a child, what you're seeing is everything he remembers is not 
getting the gun. That plays out as a very small part of the movie. Everything he remembers is all the stuff they did together as a family. Um, he remembers changing his t- changing the tire with his dad, which is the first time he cusses in front of his parents. He remembers when they burn the dinner and go get the uh, Chinese food for Love. for Christmas. First time he Love stands up to Chinese. a yeah. yeah, for the first time. Like, the movie is, it's about all the moments that were together, but it's play, but it's presented to you as, no, this is just about getting a BB gun. Like, <laughs> by the time you're done with the movie, you're so tired of hearing about the make, model of the gun and how it works, and you think that, like, that's what this is all about. But what you really see is it's about the times together. It's that our memories as children are all the little moments, the... The slip-ups, the mistakes, the the little details that we crack up and remember bigger than they were. Like, it, it's it's good. It's good. The way it does it is yeah. it's great, and and a and a good reminder that uh, it's like it's like we always. My wife and I always talk about with our kids. They're not going to remember the crazy work schedules and the the weeks where we're concerned about money. Our kids won't remember any of that. They'll remember the nights that we decided hey guys tonight we're going to do movie night and have popcorn while we watch a movie right like that's the stuff they talk about and to them when if they were to write their christmas story when they grow up it would be like we built a theater in our house and had a an usher lead us to the couch and deliver us like to them it's this big over-the-top thing when it's like all i did was take the time to sit down with them like yeah it's it's good you mentioned the uh you mentioned the whole thing with the with the with the turkey First, I love the neighbor dogs. I love that whole bit. I love how the one gets its ear stuck in the door. I think that is, I, I cry laughing at that every time. Um, and, but I love that um, the dogs eat the turkey and so then they go to the Chinese restaurant, which I love the Chinese restaurant scene. And what I love about it is, of course, like it plays off of a sort of somewhat of a outdated kind of joke playing off of the fact that they that yeah. they say fa ra 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 instead of fa la 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 yeah. but what i love is that the owner of the restaurant has clearly been in the united states longer than everybody else <laughs> and he's trying to teach them to use their l's properly and so there's this little moment where he's like no it's fa la 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 and they keep messing it up so it's clear like you know he's just brought in some like new immigrants that are working in his restaurant or whatever and i just kind of like that little moment where the owner of the restaurant is like Trying, he's actually like helping his people, and it's not just a it's not just a lazy like oh the Chinese say say things wrongly or whatever like outdated kind of joke. I think there's a little bit more to it um, in that moment, which is kind of ahead well, of its time maybe. But and I but I love well, yeah, I love because, that they have a they have to cut the head off the duck. Yeah. And yeah, because again, the way that scene is played out is so over the top. Right. That again, that again, this might be giving the movie more credit than it is. It could have just been a cheap joke for the laugh. But the way it always comes across to me is it's not it's not a view of the the stereotype that's happening in front of you. It's the fact that you're viewing them as that stereotype. It's like it addresses the like this is how you see it kind of a thing. Right. When that's not really what it is. What it is is a business owner who's, like you said, more educated than anybody in that room. But all they see is they can't even say fa la 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 la. Like it, to me, it's, it has an even deeper level there that, like I said, maybe I'm giving the movie more credit than it's than it should get. But it feels like it feels like it plays out in a way that's actually addressing it if you're really watching the scene, because, again, it's like you don't see them as negative in any way. You see the family sitting there judging them. You know what I mean? Like. You see them going, this is where we wound up. This is the best we get. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's a comment on the the white white yeah. family sitting there judging them, not a comment on them. And, right. But it plays out in a way that's still funny. And right, I, just, think, I think I think a great, a great moment in the movie. Um, I really liked uh, the outfit Randy had to wear out in the cold. Oh my gosh! Yes, um, <laughs> like deep sea, the deep sea diving comment is yeah. great. <laughs> you just Put like, your arms you down when you get to school. He can't move. It's sort of it's a classic joke that like a lot of people use, but I, I for some reason I think it's I have, I've always thought it was really funny. <laughs> and he's just like always like trying to catch up to his brothers, even yes. even while they're being chased by the bullies. Like he's still trying to like catch up to them. 
And and I feel like it's a classic joke that people always use that I don't know if this movie was one of the first to do it, but I do know that this is but this is the movie everybody references when they're making that classic joke. Yeah. Like I literally I literally just heard it on a podcast this week that's not Christmas related in any way, but they're talking about some other movie. I can't think of what it is and it's gonna drive me nuts. But they're talking about some other movie and how this guy comes out like ridiculously dressed in all these different layers and stuff, and they reference the movie. They're like, it's it's almost like he's a little brother in a Christmas Carol and can't even bend his arm. Oh, it was uh, they're talking about Rocky. It was unspooled, and they're talking about Rocky on the AFI 100 list and how his trainer, or was it his trainer or Polly? One of the characters purposefully overlayered himself so that it was uncomfortable for him to move. So that in the movie, it looked like he was having a hard time just walking into a room. And they're like, it's like the little brother in a Christmas car- in a Christmas story. Like, this, <laughs> this is the movie everybody references when you picture the kid who can't move his arms and falls into the snow and can't get up. It's, yeah. it's great. It's great. Uh, um, so, yeah, I, I, I thought that was really funny. I liked that. Um, I still think, I think the, uh, the highlight of the whole movie. And I think it's sort of like the big set piece is um, when he visits Santa in the mall. Yes. Um, and I think the reason why that's always stuck with me, even since I saw it when I was a little kid, I think it's the reason why, the reason why I stuck with this because it might've been the first time I've ever seen like a very irreverent Santa Claus. <laughs> yes. And very mean elves. And yes. the, the elves actually crack me up with their hats with the bells, right? Like right in their faces. And it's like they're trying so hard to be mean, but they just still just kind of come off as adorable. And um, every child, and every child comes away from Santa screaming and crying. Yeah, and and the way they get rid of them is just to like throw them down a slide. <laughs> and I still like I I still laugh out loud whenever Santa like taps Ralphie in the head with his foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, this is Yeah, uh, even Santa is just like. Should try out. I don't, you know what? Everyone is such a jerk. Like, I, like if I if I were Ralphie and like the teacher said that to me in my in my journal, you'll shoot your eye out. Like, what did you want me to write? You told me to write whatever I wanted. You're gonna, yeah. you're, well, you're and, gonna and grade again, me. Like, <laughs> and again, and again, that's the that's what I love about this movie. That's all the the fantasy movie side of this. <laughs> like, like to the little kid who wants something, literally the world is against you. Yeah. Like when you wanted that one toy growing up and you're like, I, this is all I want. I don't care if I get anything else. I just want this. It's like the whole world is against you about about that one thing. Like your world is that toy. Yeah. You well, have to mall santas were always creepy so this movie is like from his point of view this guy is like a demon sitting up there ready to like torment children and kick them down the slide like it's, but if it's you, great if you think about it though it, it sort of it shows this child's understanding of of a, of a political process and the politics of childhood yeah. right like here i am going to lay these magazines out in front of my you know open on my parents beds so that they can see it and then i'm going to try to make subtle references to it throughout meals and then i'm going to try to, i'm going to take my teacher on board because i know that my teacher and my parents talk if i get a teacher on board then maybe she can help influence this and reinforce it when that goes south he's like well i gotta go to the main man um, yeah that's pretty funny and so he's you know there's almost like a mr smith goes to washington i don't know that's what they act here but you know what i mean there's just like a there's that sense of like i'm going to go to the person of power and and that moment where he, when Santa says no, and he just feels crushed. It by is, it. yeah, that is funny because they they go to pick. Uh, I, I still think, um, the part where he goes down the slide, both he and Randy, when his parents going to pick up, they're still like at the bottom of the slide, <laughs> like just sort of traumatized by what just happened, like just looking up the ceiling and like just totally depressed. Um, another thing that was I think is kind of funny where you're talking about sort of the politics of, of like, oh, I got to go to Santa. Uh, one thing I noticed about Ralphie, and I don't know if it's sort of like intentional, maybe it was a decision on the director's part or the kid and his parents, I guess, I don't know. But like the way he treats it, like the, his his whole posture while he's standing in line does look like he's about to ask for like a promotion at a job yes. or something. He's like, he's very professional. He, he has his coat on, he has his uh, arm over over his uh, coat and he's just like, yes. like a dad waiting. <laughs> yes. Um, 
and he's not gonna let the weird kid distract him. He just kind of like looks over him. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. Um, so I thought that was pretty funny. Um, an interesting thing to note um, about this movie, um, and I think it's probably why it made me feel so uncomfortable growing up. And even to where the last time we talked about this movie, I referred to it as a horror film. And I've even made some allusions to horror movies. Is that uh, the guy who directed it, his name is Bob Clark. Yeah. And um, he's famous for not only directing this movie, uh, but two other films. One of which was a horror film, a very famous horror film, uh, Black Christmas. Right. uh, With Margot Kidder and... Was it Margot Kidder? Yeah, Margot Kidder. Yep. Um, and yeah, for, just go ahead. Just watched it recently with my uh, free trial of Shutter. I thought you say you just watched it recently with your kids. Shutter, I mean Shutter. <laughs> yeah. This guy has some serious issues with Christmas, but let's let's <laughs> let's uh, address that in a further episode. Yeah, I just watched it on my. Uh, I signed up for Shutter for the free trial because of a podcast uh, JP told me about. But I'm not going to plug every other podcast on Earth on our podcast. But. Um, Another one that JP told me about, and I listened to a couple episodes and didn't feel like waiting for another two months for them to roll out every week, so I signed up for my free trial so I could listen to them all. But, um, yeah, I just watched Black Christmas uh, last, no, two weeks ago for the first time. What did you think about it? I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. It was uh, very interesting. It's a, what's, what's the, Olivia Hussey? Yes is the main character which is funny because all i know her all i know her from in my limited experience with with the older movies is romeo and juliet so like all i know her as is this very high like shakespearean actor and then i find out she's basically in the first slasher film basically yeah yeah um so so yeah i thought that was really interesting how this movie has always made me uncomfortable as a child and it was made by a a horror movie director, one of the who made one of the precursors to, uh, you know, the slasher genre. All right. Well, okay. So yeah, directed by a horror movie director, it probably explains why I made me so uncomfortable at the time. I think there's some elements that he was probably used. He used. He poured it over like some elements of tension and whatnot. Uh, he's also known for. Oh yeah, directing. man. The 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 Santa yeah. scene that you just talked about is filmed like a horror movie. Yeah. Oh like yeah. The the extreme close-ups. The overly red cheeks on everybody where they look like eerie and unhuman like it's very very horror movie directed in that that moment so definitely um did you guys know that there's a sequel to this movie yes and it's awful i've not seen yeah it. well there's there's, JP, there's, there's there's a couple of sequels there is a, right, there's, there's a christmas story too and then there's another adaptation of a of a um of a gene shepherd a uh, short story called My Summer Vacation, right? Is that what it's called? My Summer Vacation? Something like that, yeah. Or, or My My Summer Story. Yeah, well, there's there's also sequels to The Sandlot, but we'll never talk about those <laughs> either. So and, Yeah, and there's there's some other adaptations of his stories that are like uh, made for TV movies and TV shows, which I'm sure are really bad. Um, but funny story about uh, My Summer Story is that Charles Grodin plays uh, Ralphie's dad, in that movie, and uh, Kieran Culkin uh, plays Ralphie. Um, I don't know if you guys remember who Charles Grodin is. Well, I know that name. No, he was the dad in Beethoven. Okay. Oh, got it. And he was in a lot of movies in the eighties and nineties. But when he made this movie, My Summer Story, it it did so horribly and it was so bad that he quit acting. That's why we haven't <laughs> seen him in anything since then. <laughs> Amazing. Also, just just a just a unimportant side note to address that other Christmas movie that we're not talking about this time. Yeah. But guys, there's there's five Home Alones. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there's five. Yes. There's five of them. How pathetic is that? All right. Well, I, I think we've talked about everything we can talk about our Christmas story. Um, and, and Home Alone. Uh, and Home Alone. And uh, <laughs> I, I didn't. I'll just say I, I didn't hate it, and uh, I thought it was a fairly good movie. So, yay! Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's all the time we have uh, for this episode of Masters of Divinity. Uh, Father Chuck, yes. thank you so much. You're, you're welcome. And Matt Wells, thank you. Oh, you're you're welcome. And and join us next week for another Christmas classic, Die Hard. Um, here, here, go ahead. Here. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, shaking your head. Th- thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful Christmas and good journey. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey.